12 p.m., we good? Awesome. Well, uh, we're in a series called Uncommon. Uh, if you're new with us, uh, we've talked about uncommon uh, faith, uncommon grace, uncommon power, uncommon unity, uncommon humility, this idea that we're called to live a life set apart uh, for uh, the gospel or in the world, but not of the world. Today, uh, we're talking about uh, a topic that I kind of want to have a disclaimer. Uh, we're talking about uncommon purity, uncommon purity. And so the, the overseers, the trustees, the spiritual leadership team, all of our pastors, we have rated this message PG-13. Uh, and so honestly, if you have kids uh, fifth grade, fourth grade, or younger, we do have action kids. Uh, and we have people back there uh, watching, teaching, praying uh, for your kids for free. You could, you could hug an action kids worker when you see them. Uh, come on, you don't even like your kids all the time. And we got people back there watching them uh, for free. They do a phenomenal job, much more age appropriate. Uh, if you have younger kids in here, uh, we will be talking about something that may lead to a conversation later that you do not want to have. Uh, so that's your fault because I'm giving you the disclaimer. If you have middle school and above and you think, hey, this is not really a topic I want them to hear, they're hearing it somewhere. So they should stay and you should stay because this is a topic that the world is telling them, talk about this idea of purity, of sexual purity and uncommon purity. I want to go to our theme verse before we dive into the topic today. First Peter chapter two, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. That there's a way in which you and I are called to live that is different than the way that the world lives. That we should be in it, but not of it. We should love the world, but live differently than a secular culture that does not base their values on scripture. That's why the series is called Uncommon. Our life should be uncommon. And when it comes to our faith, our grace, our power, our humility, our unity, and today, our purity, that when it comes to this specific area of our life, we should look different than the culture. I want to introduce this topic with this idea. Is this, it is that context matters. Context, it matters. That where and how and when you do something matters. How many of you love, love jeans in here? Good pair of jeans. I love jeans. I didn't wear jeans today. I put on my adult outfit because we're having a, a sex talk at church, and I figured like dad should dress up and talk to his spiritual kids. So dad put on his adult uniform today to have this conversation because I just want you to know this conversation, like you parents had it with your kids, it ain't any more comfortable having it with thousands of people. Jeans, jeans, jeans. Jeans are awesome. Jeans at the beach, not awesome. You get wet and sand in your jeans, that's called a rash. It's context, it matters. Sunglasses, went to the eye doctor recently, told I had to wear sunglasses outside more, getting some, some different, some hardening of the, uh, of the lenses on my eyes. I need to wear sunglasses. Sunglasses are a great thing. Sunglasses indoors, not good. It's flying this week with Gabby to support uh, Dr. John Maxwell, one of our missions partners at an event uh, to raise money for our international projects. Saw a lot of guys. I'll just hate on the guys uh, today so I don't get any, any hate from uh, the ladies. I saw a lot of guys on the flight or in the airport with sunglasses on indoors. Sir, you're in 38 AD. You're not famous enough or rich enough to dress like that. The sun's not out in here, and you're not that cool. 
you feel like I'm being judgmental. Like, no, I'm not. They, they like themselves so much, they don't need us to like them. You know what I mean? Like, this context, it, it, it matters. Come on, you ever, you ever talked, uh, been talking to, like, your little kids or, or babies or maybe a puppy, and you kind of got that, like, baby talk? Like, you're so cute. What are you doing? Oh, my goodness. And then you carry that on to an adult conversation. We're like, oh, you're so, no, I'm sorry, sorry. Or parents, come on, have you ever started using words that you only use with your kids, with your adult friends? Like I was, I was raising Bentley and Kingston still in when they were younger. We had, you know, just simple words like, do you need to go potty? Kingston, do you need to go potty? And then you get on a golf trip with the guys like, anybody need to go potty? Potty break, anybody? <laughs> like, I mean, bathroom. I mean, I'm a man. What do you know? Just context. Context matters. God has given you and me, humans, a desire, specific, a, a physical, sexual desire, passions that are appropriate and healthy and fulfilling with the proper context. He's given us a, a fire, if you will, that in the proper context is healthy. A fire in a fire pit in a fireplace provides warmth, provides light, could even provide nourishment and, and health because you could cook something on it. A fire in a forest or in a car is going to be a disaster. What I'm telling you is it's all about where the fire is placed. It's all about the context. And let me be clear that Action Church, we have a, a biblical stance that the context of healthy sexual activity is in the context of marriage and marriage being defined as one man born a man to one woman born a woman. That is the place in the context. We got a little bit of applause. I get that that's a controversial topic, but we'll talk about that a little bit later, that it's not my opinion, it's actually just in the Bible. And so don't write an email, just go and pray to God and complain. And if he listens, then great, but he's not going to because he's God and you're not. He doesn't make mistakes, and we don't get to decide what we're going to change. I like the 12 o'clock. Y'all received that way better. Now, some of y'all are probably going to leave, and that's okay. But again, you don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with God. So just take it up with him, 1 Corinthians 6. This is getting worse, by the way. So the, <laughs> next week, we're going to talk about uncommon hospitality, and we're going to have so much fun. We're going to talk about helping people and serving people. And so... If you leave, just make you leave for a week. Let God convict you that you were wrong and that he was right and come back next week and we'll have some fun together. Verse 12, chapter six. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. And that's the problem, by the way. That, that's where the offense comes from when we disagree with people in 2023 is, is we have this idea that I'm allowed, to do, I'm allowed to do anything. I'm my own me, I'm my own God. I get to make my own decisions and that's just not the gospel. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And, I don't, and don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Verse 18, run, run, run from sexual sin. Well, check this out. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. 
for sexual morality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. You do not belong to yourself. That is what makes us uncommon, that it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. Like he saved you. The good news is you no longer have to pay for your sins because of the salvation that came to the cross. But the bad news is if you want to do your own things, that's not really a possibility anymore because you've been purchased and now ownership of your life is no longer your own. God owns you. That's why we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over us, which means he owns us. So you must honor God with your body. Because I'm allowed to do anything. And that's where we get in trouble. It's what got Samson in trouble. It's what got David in trouble. A judge and a king in the Old Testament, their power, their, their arrogance gave them some idea that I'm allowed to do anything. Because I'm in charge, I'm allowed to do anything. Now, you and I are not judges and we're not kings, but we live in a society that says, I can do whatever I want. Especially if I don't hurt anybody, if my sin doesn't hurt anybody, it's not a big deal. But the Bible is telling us clearly in 1 Corinthians that even if this area of your life doesn't affect anybody else, even if you're not married and it's not an affair, even if it's not with anybody else and it's just something that you struggle with what you put in front of your eyes, any of those things you're saying it doesn't hurt anybody, the Bible's saying it does hurt somebody, it hurts, it hurts you. But I'm allowed to. We translate that today, a lot of us get in trouble in this area. Can we be honest? This is an issue for everybody. It's either been an issue before you met Jesus, it's still an issue, it's a big issue, it's a small issue, but we all struggle at some point in our life in this area, or if you're past that and you've seen freedom from that, you have kids or grandkids or people you're called to help. But here is a dangerous phrase that we hear all the time when people enter into this life of impurity, this life of sexual sin. It's not I'm allowed to, because that may be a little arrogant, and, but I deserve. There's so many people, I deserve this relationship because the relationship that I, that I currently have doesn't meet my needs. I deserve for my needs to be met. I, I deserve to have a little stress relief. I deserve for somebody to pay attention to me. I, I deserve, I'm not hurting anybody. It's just, we're both single. It's just two consenting uh, adults. And I'm not hurting anybody. I, I deserve this. You, you don't know how hard my life is and the enemy has you because he's getting you to buy into the lie that you deserve something that's not actually good for you. It's actually, it's actually killing you. An uncommon purity is more than just a sexual activity thing. In fact, it starts way before that. There's a couple of steps that we need to find uncommon purity before even our actions. It's this, purity of thoughts. Purity of thoughts. How I many of you know our thought life leads to our language and our, and our words? The second one, purity of words. And then what we think about, when we begin to, to speak about, then we eventually do, and we need a purity of, of our actions. Very often do we find ourselves in a car fire or a forest fire. Very often do we find ourselves in an explosion or in blowing up our own life out of nowhere. It's usually the, the small steps. It's usually the thoughts, the lies, the words, the little bit of actions that get us into a place that we never meant to go. Nobody wakes up and says, hey, I'm gonna screw up my life today. I'd like to develop a porn addiction. I'd like to pursue a same-sex attraction. I'd like to have an affair. 
Now, if you do, you, we, our prayer team's gonna be down front, but I don't think we just wake up and say, hey, I'm gonna, no. It's the little bit of decisions that then take over the whole thing. The Bible says a little bit of yeast takes over the whole, the whole batch. Let, let, me, let me illustrate in a funny way. I shared this illustration about six years ago. Um, and it's an illustration about a young boy uh, and his mom. And this young boy uh, is a teenager, uh, and he wants to go to a friend's house for a party, and he's working up the courage to go ask his mom because he knows it's gonna be a, a tough sell. So he's working up all of the, all the answers, all of the sales pitches. You know, you know, how many of you know everything you did bad growing up at somebody else's house? Come on, mom was in the last service, and I, I confessed 26 years later, you know, to my first beer uh, at a friend's house, my first cigarette on my friend's roof, the first dip that I swallowed and threw up all night. Never happened at my house. It happened at a friend's house. So little Johnny wants to go over to his friend's house, and his mom's like, well, Johnny, what, what's going to be going on there? Anything bad? He's like, no, mom, it's, these, are, these are mostly good kids. If you ever start with mostly good kids, you know that your kids are hanging out with bad kids. It really matters who your kids hang out with, by the way. This isn't a parenting seminar, but just, just to let you know, uh, bad company corrupts good character. But so, so he's asked, she's asking Johnny, well, what's going to be there? He's like, Mom, you know, we're playing some basketball, some football. There'll be older kids there. I don't really hang out with them. She's like, well, what about anything going on wrong? He's like, there'll probably be a little bit of alcohol there. You know, some of the older kids will bring that. But, you know, I won't get into that. It'll be around, but I won't be a part of it. There'll probably be a little bit of illegal substances there. But, but like that, you know, they'll do that out kind of out in the woods like they usually do. That, that won't be where I am. And there'll probably be a little bit of fooling around or a little old school bath, a little fornication happening um, upstairs in some locked bedrooms. Um, not a whole lot of religious people in their fornication really crushed at the 9 a.m. Like, they really love that. They, they, they probably grew up uh, like I did. Like, don't fornicate. I don't know what that means, but I stayed away from fornicating. Uh, just a little bit going on. She goes, you know what? She had this idea, because parents were always a step ahead, kids. Just so you know, we're always a step ahead. And so, um, so she says, well, you know what? Johnny, since it's just a little bit of drugs and a little bit of alcohol and a little bit of fornication, it's probably not a big deal. And you've been such a good kid. Like, since it's just a little bit of that stuff, go ahead, go upstairs, get showered, get changed. I'll drop you off, text your friend. So he's pumped. And she's like, you know what? Because you're such a great kid and it's just a, a, a little bit of bad stuff there, why don't you just go up and get ready and I'm gonna make you your favorite dessert. I'm gonna make you some brownies. Well, she's got this plan because she saw Rover, the family dog, come around the screen porch and, and uh, he had his uh, afternoon bowel movement. He pooped. And so she goes and grabs the poop and throws it in the, uh, the, the, the brownie bowl. Got the eggs, got the, the milk, got the brownie mix, whatever. I don't make brownies. So whatever else you put in there, somebody help me. All the brownie stuff and just, just a little bit of poop. She, she stirs it up, she puts it in the oven, she bakes it, and that's an illustration, so let's not talk about the smell in the house at this point. But they look perfect, they look great. Little Johnny comes down, he's ready for the party, all, you know, GQ'd up, got his fresh fade, got his Jordans on, like ready to go, ready to go see what's happening at the party, and he goes to get a big handful of the brownie, and he's about to take a bite of these Rover's excrement brownies. And she's like, whoa, whoa, hey, Johnny, just, just a second, wait a second, oh, those brownies, just like your party, they're mostly good. I just want to let you know, mostly good. Little bit of poop. Now, now 95% normal. Little bit of poop. It's the little things. 
It's a little conversation that goes a little bit too long. It's the little text message that was not supposed to be sent. It's the little more scrolling that went just a little bit too far. It's the little steps that get us into stupid situations. It's just a little bit. But that little bit is a lie saying, I can handle that. I want you to remember there's poop in your brownies. Come on and help somebody. When you're texting that inappropriate relationship this week, I want you to send them a poop emoji. You're going to be reminded, I don't want to blow up my life. They're going to think you're weird. Inappropriate relationship over. I just solved. I just, I just canceled your affair before it happened. How do we fight for uncommon purity? Here's the first one. We, we must affirm God's standard. To affirm God's standard, we must know God's standard, and God's standard is very, very clear. But our righteousness was bought with a price, Jesus on a cross, but our righteousness, it hinges on truth. And when Paul was writing in Ephesians about the armor of God, the first thing that a, a soldier would put on would be the belt of truth, because the belt of truth held everything together. Their armor would have been very heavy. They would have had overcoats. They would have tucked in to their armor. They would have had their shield and their sword. Everything would have been girded or held together. The foundation of the Roman uniform was the belt. That's why Paul said, put on the belt of truth, because we need to know that our righteousness and our right living hinges on us affirming God's standard. It hinges on him carrying the weight, the truth of the word of God carrying the weight because you and I were never meant to. So we must affirm God's standard. To affirm it, we must know it. And when we know it, we don't change his standard to meet our preference. We change our preference to meet his standard. Let me say it simple. We get asked so many times and I will get so many questions. What do you believe about this hot topic and this relationship and this sexual sin? And I just feel such a freedom to not speak on God's behalf. I don't need to have an opinion when God has spoken clearly. Let me say it this way. I don't need to speculate on things that God has already spoken to. And I didn't say this the first couple of services and, and if we don't agree that this is truth, we're gonna disagree on a lot of things. So why do we spend our life disagreeing? We know we're gonna disagree. That's why at Action Church, we have the, the freedom to, to love all people well, because I don't wanna get into, a, if, if we don't have, if God doesn't have the right to be right, and we don't submit our wrong thinking to his right way of living, then we're gonna disagree on a lot of things. Why don't we just find things that we can agree on and love each other well. We're not changing what God, what God has said. We have to affirm God's standard. It doesn't just stop there, though. We have to align our behavior. We can't just say it. We actually have to live it. If we're going to fight for uncommon purity, we have to, we have to align our behavior. Look at this real quick. I want to, for time's sake, go to verse 24 of Galatians 5. So those who belong to Christ have nailed their natural evil desires to his cross and crucified them there. We, if we are now living by the Holy Spirit's power, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, including this one, that we don't just affirm God's standard, we, we align ourselves or submit ourselves or course correct underneath his leadership. 
We don't conform to this world. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I wanna come against some, some bad theology that I grew up with because we hear so many times, and this is an all flesh, all sin issue. This is not just a sexual issue. Let's not allow the enemy to pinpoint this in one area. But I hear this all the time. I was just born that way. Can I let you know you were, you were born that way? You were born in a flesh, in a sinful nature. Some of you were born greedy, stingy people. Some of you were born gluttonous. Some of you were born angry. Some of you are bitter. Some of you are arrogant. Some of us insecure. Some of us born with different sins, different struggles, different heightened levels of those struggles. Some of those are sexual. I was born this way. I agree. But that's why the Bible, when we give our life to Jesus, tells that process is for us to be born again. Because when we're born into a sinful nature, we can be reborn into the likeness of Jesus when we give our life to Christ. That doesn't mean the struggle stops, by the way, because until we get to heaven, we're still held captive in this flesh. Now, we can live a spirit-led life where our spirit rises above our flesh and we make better decisions because we're led by the Holy Spirit, but we all struggle. We all sin and fall short of God's glorious standard. And just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean you'll never struggle again. It just means you don't have to struggle alone. And now you have a power, a truth to, to over. Come. So it's not an excuse that I was born this way. We're all born with different sin struggles. The excuse is not I was born this way. The answer is you can be born again through a relationship with Jesus. We must align our behavior. Ephesians 5, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We have to affirm God's standard, but we have to change some things. I'm not talking about a works-based faith. I'm not talking about guilt and condemnation. I'm saying once we affirm God's standard and we invite Jesus into our life, our life should look differently at some point. That it can't just be words, it's gotta be actions. I wrote it down this way. You can't pray with your mouth against something you permit with your actions. God, take it away, God, take it away. And I keep doing the same thing and we're gonna have some answers to get out of that struggle in just a moment. We need to align, we need to submit. There should be a, an outward change. No outward difference usually means there's been no inward, inward change. Pastor, are you saying I, I, I'm not saved if I struggle with the same thing? No, 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 I'm not saying that. I think your actions are saying that. And I'm not saying we don't mess up. I'm saying at a certain point, we should struggle differently or better make some steps forward, maybe even it's two steps forward and three steps back. But if we've really invited the Holy Spirit into the situation and we really put some practical things, I'm gonna give you in a second, we should be on this journey of becoming more and more like Christ. Now, some of, some of you are gonna go faster than me. I'm a slow learner. You're gonna see people that really get this, that get healed, delivered, restored, their life is different. You're gonna see people that struggle, struggle just the best they can the rest of their life. I'm not saying that you have to be perfect. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit should be doing a work in you. 
And if he's not, then I think you may need to go back and stop trying to fix the, what I'm trying to get you to get is not, not offended or condemned. I'm trying to get you that some of us have settled trying to fix the symptoms and I'm saying it could be a heart issue that you actually may not have given God complete control over your life. Just, I'm not trying to condemn you, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you. We gotta align our, our behavior. I'll give you some practical steps because the difference between condemnation and conviction is the clarity to repent and do something different. Condemnation and shame leaves us stuck. Conviction from the Holy Spirit allows us to change. And so I wanna give you some practical steps to change today. The first one, write this down, a practical plan for uncommon purity is this. You need some boundaries. God, you need some boundaries in your relationships. You need some boundaries in your media consumption. You need some boundaries in your conversations. You need some, some boundaries. You need some safeguards. I want you to write this question down. What is my weakness? I don't know what it is. But I, I know with the examples I gave earlier, my weakness is different than your weakness. So I don't want to come up here and give you this, this very uh, static, black and white legalistic, these should be your boundaries. I don't know you. I don't know your struggle. And I know there are some inappropriate things. I think we all can agree there's some inappropriate things that would set you up for failure, right? You spending one-on-one -on -one time, significant one-on-one -on -one time with somebody that's not your spouse should, is probably gonna lead to one of you having feelings is probably not a good idea. Like that's a boundary I think we can all say, like I should not go on dates with somebody that's not my spouse. If you're single in here, probably shouldn't have overnight sleepovers with somebody that's not your spouse. Well, we, we just cuddle and watch Netflix. Either you're a liar or you're not attracted to each other. Because you're either not just watching Netflix and cuddling, or you are, and both of those are problems. You shouldn't get married. If you could spend the night and not do anything, that's called platonic. That's a friend. That's a brother or sister in Christ. You're going to see them in heaven, but they are not your spouse. Helping you. Helping you today. Boundaries and safeguards. Come on, parents, until our kids are old enough to set their own, we set them for them. Amen. Everyone say, that's my phone. my phone. Everyone say, that's my phone. That's my phone. Say, that's my, that's my room. That's what you say to your kids. You're not their friend, you're their parent. <laughs> that's my room. Dad, what are you doing in my room? It's my room. Dad, what are you doing in my bed? It's my bed. Dad, that's my phone. It's not your phone. I need multiple phones. This is my TV, that's not your TV. You need to be on their phones, in their rooms, in their lives, not in a way that you're, you're hovering and you're trying to not build trust. That, that's so it's so crazy to think that we've settled for a, a distant relationship with our kids when we're called to protect them. The world is trying to attack them and we're just letting it happen. Any boundaries, Any boundaries. Some of you are not having the right conversations with your kids. God, have the conversation. I'm having it today with 5,000 people. It's not fun, but you have it with one. And be clear and allow them to ask questions. Can I promise you, your kids are asking questions to somebody. My question is, do you have the, if you given the permission and the trust and the security to have that conversation with you so that you can set them up for success in a world that will set them up for failure? We need boundaries, we need, we need boundaries. <clears throat> Here's the second one. You need <clears throat> a partner, you need a friend. Growing up in the Baptist church, we said, we called it accountability partners. And you get me an account, would you be my accountability partner? Uh, I haven't asked anybody that since I was like 11 and I was forced to, but you need somebody that knows everything about you. 
my pastor always said, you're only as sick as your secrets. That whatever is secret in your life and the dark in your life, that the enemy has you there. Because you're either gonna be fearful, you're gonna be shameful, you're gonna be numb, whatever. I don't know all the different ways that it'll be symptoms in your life, but it's gonna separate you from God's best because it's, it's hiding something. Somebody needs to know everything. You need to find somebody you can trust with that information. Walk you through it. And can I, this may be some of the most practical relationship advice I can give you. It's been modeled by mentors in my life and, and hopefully I'm modeling it now with my kids. It's for parents, it's for families, it's for friends. When you're having these accountability conversations, these, these tough conversations, the, goal, the primary goal cannot be correction in the moment. The primary goal has to be connection so that we have another conversation. Because if it's a real issue, you're not solving it in one conversation. You're not fixing the kid. You, you may solve a symptom, but you're not gonna fix the root of a conversation of a friend that's got a pornography addiction or somebody who's struggling with an attraction to somebody that's not their spouse or, or a kid that's struggling through decisions. You're not gonna solve that in one afternoon. The priority is not correction. The priority is the next conversation. The win is that they call you again when they're in trouble. The win is that they call you again when they're about to make a mistake. Quit trying to overcorrect and make this super legalistic and try to connect so that we can stay in relationship. We're on a journey and the Holy Spirit is the one that's gonna heal. We're gonna be there to walk out the process. And even if you don't wanna make it spiritual, let's just make it uh, counseling 101 until they take ownership of their own life, nothing you can do will ever change them. So I sit, I listen, I ask questions, a challenge, correct, then come back to making sure. And can I just help some parents out? We need discipline. We need correction. There needs to be consequences for mistakes. But if they tell you something that you were never going to know otherwise, can I encourage you to leave with grace? Can I encourage you to let them off the hook like Jesus let you? Not, I'm not saying unsafe. I'm not saying crazy. But if they tell me something that I never would have known, the last thing I'm going to do is give them an over consequence because I want to make sure they tell me again. And I'm going to make the relationship important. It's just turned into a parenting seminar. You can send your checks to Justin Daly at P.O. Box. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Being a partner, we need boundaries. The last one, this will help you with your focus. This will help you with your perseverance. We need a, we need a purpose. This cannot just be behavior modification. This cannot just be, I wanna stop looking at this. I wanna stop saying this. I wanna stop doing this. I have to have a picture of something bigger to live for. God's purpose for my life. And I want a healthy marriage. I think about my, my, my spouse or my kids. Maybe you're struggling with something that your granddad struggled with and your dad struggled with, your grandmom struggled with, your, your mom struggled with. Let the purpose be that it's gonna stop with you, that this addiction, this struggle, this, this adultery, whatever this, this is in your family, take ownership that I may not be able to have the, the strength on my own, but God can give me the power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And now I have a purpose that is practically, this is gonna stop with me so that no more generations have to deal with it. Find yourself, whatever, find yourself a purpose, something to live for, not just run from. It's the difference, it's the motivation. And if that doesn't work, if you're not a goal-oriented, motivated person, 
Let me give you one more thought. Play out the end result of the thing you're currently doing. The enemy is so good at maximizing the appearance of benefits of pleasure and minimizing the consequences of our decisions. And I'm just here to tell you, it won't be worth it. Let me say it this way. The pleasure will be similar and unsatisfying and the consequences will be way worse than you think. Play it out. The enemy has you living for today when you and I both know the future's a lot longer than this momentary thing that we're doing. Play it out. Here's the hope. Here's the, the way out for us, is that our God is a healer and our God is a restorer. We've allowed something to be killing us. We've allowed something to be literally decaying the, 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 the fiber of our being. It says we're sinning against ourselves. In fact, in, in Matthew chapter eight, it says suddenly a man with leprosy, and I feel like this was so powerful as I, I thought about this, this week, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. And I think that's a picture of you and me today. If you are struggling with sexual sin, this is a sin against your own body. So it may not be physical leprosy, but it is spiritual leprosy. It literally is eating away at the very core of your being. And it says this man came and knelt before Jesus. And I believe today, this whole sermon was to get you to this point, whether it's a small struggle or a huge sin issue, that you can come with your spiritual leprosy, your sexual sin that has overwhelmed your life. Maybe it has consumed your identity. It has consumed everything about you and you can bring it to the feet of Jesus. And his response will be, I can heal you and I can cleanse you. I can restore you and I can make you brand new. And I believe that's what he wants to do today, that we come and we say, I can't heal myself. And I'm just here to tell you, you can't. In this, in this area, more than any other area, I really believe it's spiritual leprosy and without a touch from Jesus, it's a death sentence. It will continue to rot everything in your life until it kills you or everything that you love. But there is hope that is found in Jesus. There is healing that is found in Jesus. And I believe he wants to do that for you this afternoon. I believe for many of you, that's the only reason that you came today because you've been struggling silently and you're going to walk out of here knowing God's got a different standard for you. You're gonna walk out of here aligning some things. I believe God's gonna introduce you to somebody today or this week that you're gonna have somebody that's gonna link arms and help you through this process. Gonna put some healthy safeguards in place. And then I believe he's gonna give you a picture of who you could be, of what he has for you. And that you're no longer just gonna be running from a symptom, but you're gonna be attacking the root and running to the purpose and fulfillment that God has for you. I really believe uncommon purity is possible if we will affirm and align and allow God to lead us. I'd love to pray for you this afternoon. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you for messages that challenge us. God, I, I pray, myself included, 
that we'd all be challenged to, to seek you, to change where we need to change, to submit where we need to submit, to allow you to move. Holy Spirit, I pray for healing right now. I pray against any condemnation or guilt or shame, but I pray for a renewal of minds, healing in Jesus' name, cleansing, restoration, hope is replacing the struggle right now. Church, every head bowed and every eye closed, the, the solution, the power source comes from us no longer belonging to ourselves, but belonging to God, being a part of his body and his church and our relationship with him. But that only happens when we align, when we surrender, when we submit. Romans says we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. Lord is ownership. If you want to give God ownership of your life today, I'd love to pray with you. What am I doing? What does this relationship have to do with this Jesus, the perfect son of God, second part of the Trinity, lived a perfect life for you, died a sinner's death as you in your place. What you and I deserved, he took in exchange of our sin for his righteousness. The cross gives us access to forgiveness, grace, mercy, our very salvation. His resurrection gives us victory over the grave, the finality of death, and over sin, which means we can have power to overcome our struggle if we include Jesus in the process. I believe this decision is the most important decision you can make in your life because this is the foundation of everything we talked about today. The foundation is your relationship with Jesus. If you wanna get that right today for the very first time, Holy Spirit is speaking to you, leading you to Jesus right now. It is your day of salvation. Or maybe today's a day of recommitment that specifically with this message, you've been struggling, but you've been struggling alone. And you've walked an aisle, you've prayed a prayer, you've raised a hand, but you've never given Jesus complete control. Or maybe you tried. You included him, but he wasn't Lord. You didn't give him access to everything. And today you wanna to recommit your life, a fresh start with him. I'd love to pray with either one of you. So for the first time, or by recommitting your life for the first time in a long time, would you, would you raise your hand and say, count me in that prayer. I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. You got one, two, three, four. Got you right there, two or three right there. Yes, yes. Yep, yep, yep. Proud of you, yes, sir. couple more in the stadium. Yes, ma'am. Always honored to share this moment with you. Really believe you're making a decision right now, surrendering control and the power of God's going to come into your life and change some things. You can put your hands down. If you, uh, if you raised your hand, would you pray this? Just pray it in your heart as I pray it out loud right now. Say this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you, Jesus, are Lord. And God, I give you that place. Complete control of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And God, I pray for all of us. This week, let us walk with a purity of thought, a purity in our words and a purity in our actions. That we are gonna live differently because we're gonna follow your leadership in our life. Let us live a life that's uncommon in Jesus' name. We love you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody at 12 p.m. said amen.
And amen. Let's celebrate all the decisions that were just made.